If you like this show and haven't looked at our Patreon campaign, go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. We talk about it quite a bit, but I want to remind people that it, it exists because it's what makes uh, this show and the effort that goes into it possible. Uh, go there, take a look at the reward tiers uh, that span shows across the entire network, um, and give what you can if you decide to give. Otherwise, hey, thanks for listening. Um, once again, that is patreon.com slash TV. Here we go. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books by Stephen King. Uh, my name is Cole Ross, and today I'm joined by Evan Jones Thorne. Hey, Evan. Hey, how's it going, Cole? Oh, it's going just fine. Thank you for uh, for hopping on here in the new year. This is the uh, the first episode of 2018. Yeah, happy new year, everybody. Yeah. Man, fuck 2017. Uh, I, you know, I, I a lot of us said fuck 2016, and then that yeah, just seemed to make... 2017 wars yeah so. i i know and i i've thought about that and i've come to the conclusion that still fuck 2017 yeah it was pretty bad it was pretty bad <laughs> i feel like it was better than 2016 in a number of ways but it was also a lot worse than 2016 in a number of other ways yeah so, so. It's, like, it's like it's like a existential problem whack-a-mole kind of stuff I feel like there aren't nearly enough existential problems that can be compared to whack-a-mole. Yeah. Well, no, by, by which I mean, like, okay, you know, like, we we dealt with that. That went away or it's no longer a press yeah. answer. And then no, 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 no. Okay. I, I, I totally get your meaning. And yeah. I'm saying, like, I really just – I feel like existential philosophy in general would be a lot more appealing <laughs> if there were more um, – I guess whack-a-mole, but more generally just like boardwalk carnival game right, analogs. Right, that like, we like could... midway kind of stuff. Like, yeah. oh, it's, a, it's, it's, like, it's an existential... Like, uh, like existential skee-ball. Yeah, clown balloon mouth-filling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if if anybody has any really good existentialist boardwalk carnival game analogies... Mm-hmm. um. I guess tweet those to Brayton. I feel like he's the person who's best yeah. equipped to handle that. Well, let's just route that. He's the one who would actually truly make something of those. Yeah, tweet those to yeah. at is it, is it Brayton J Cameron? Uh, Brayton J C. Brayton J C. Brayton J C. Yeah. Tweet that to at Brayton J C. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure he'll appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I'm you know I'm I'm choosing to look at the positive, and last year was the first full year of this show, and it's been a lot of fun. That's oh, I didn't even realize. That's oh, that's fun. Yeah. This and this this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm uh, I'm really happy to have uh, been involved in it, even though I'm not terribly happy with how the film franchise wound up going. Ah, uh, you know, it's fine. We will we will always have the books, at least until this the show true. ends in 2019. So. <laughs> and then I'll move on. At which point, project. the books will be destroyed. <laughs> yep. Read fast. Read fast, <laughs> motherfuckers. Uh, yeah, it's it's manageable. It's manageable. You can do it. <laughs> so we're here uh, to finish out the section of the book called "Come Reap." Uh, this is the final part with the uh, uh, the flashback that takes place primarily in the flashback. Next time, there's going to be a little bit of cleanup, some details and things like that. But yeah, this is. Yeah kind of the culmination this is this is when the gunslingers come out to play 
And I, Colt, did I did I originally sign up to do this part of this book? Yeah, that's why I emailed you. Okay, I couldn't remember if if I'd signed up for it or if uh, if if you just needed somebody or not. I don't think I meant to sign up for it because the final act of this flashback uh-huh. is something that has always just kind of just gotten to me on a very base level and I'm I'm super I'm always super anxious and uncomfortable reading it. Okay, is it just because of like the TikTok hand of fate, you know this is going to work out badly kind of thing? Or? No, it's 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 even been the very first time I read through it and I'm sure that knowing what's coming does not help because it's just, you know, monumentally unpleasant even by Stephen King standards. Right. Um but I, I, I guess we can I can I can get more into it when we get there. There's a lot to a lot to go through before we get to the uh, the really bad part. Right. Right. Believe it or not, it hasn't gotten really bad yet. <laughs> it's been bad. It's a it's, it's been, it's been bad. A, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, yeah. And even this section is you, know, you get some real whiplash because this is definitely the most action heavy part of the book. Uh, this is the part. I mean, aside from the beginning that starts out with you know, literal momentum. This is the part of the book where things move very, very quickly. Like this is the battles and stuff like that. Um, so <laughs> I, I, you know, I forget, I forget how that sentence was going to end because a weird computer sound happened. Okay. I got that on my end too. I was very confused by it. Yeah. Don't, don't it worry about not... it. I, I can, okay. I can edit it out. It's, it's, it, yeah, it, it was it's just fun. not a sound that I'd ever heard before. And yeah. I was literally like scrolling when it happened. Like, <laughs> so I was like, did I just, do that yeah we, we 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 can we can leave that in no this is a uh this is a roller coaster <laughs> um <laughs> this is a roller coaster and you get those moments of triumph but again you know even from just having read the gunslinger from having you know read the beginning of this book we understand that there are people that are not walking out of this right yeah so yeah even, even if you haven't gotten to the end of this book yet you know it ends you yeah. know this ends badly yeah, and all of those, you know, tiny fist pump moments, um, they come with caveats. Saying like, hey, don't don't think that don't think that things get better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's kind of from here on out almost. Like that's just kind of a good disclaimer for the rest of the Dark Tower series. Right. Just don't don't assume that things get better for the characters that you have come to know and love. This, this is definitely uh, an, an articulation point. Yeah. Yeah. So the last time the big coffin hunter succeeded in throwing Roland, Cuthbert, and Elaine into the Huskow, into the Calaboose, into the Chokey, um, framing them for the murders of Kimba Reimer and Mayor Hart Thorin, which is convenient because when they're under lock and key, they can't stop them from stealing all of that oil. For John Farson. Precisely. Yeah. I would like to take a second and just say sweet Matilda reference. <laughs> I think a chokey is an actual thing. I think I think you're thinking of a pokey. Okay. Huh. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure chokey is is uh I'm not positive, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that it's specific to uh Roll <sighs> Dolls Matilda. Huh. Okay. Yeah, everything that I'm looking at is uh is is here. Matilda the Chokey. Oh, and it's it's like a like a Mandela effect thing, so I immediately need to back away from that. <laughs> so, uh that, 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 that stuff that stuff annoys me. Uh okay. but yes. But it's it's let's, it's still let's a not scare Cole. 
it's, it still applies. Uh, you know, it, it, it is a choking. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they're in jail. Uh, the uh, big coffin hunters think that they're in the clear. However, Susan decides to mount up, uh, wrap herself in a serape, take Roland's guns, and shoot her childhood friend to free them. Yeah, I am so bummed that I was sick when you guys recorded because uh-huh. that's such a good scene, and I really wish I could have talked about it more. Yeah, it's 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 very good. Well, like, what do you have to say? It, it's fucking great and yeah. <laughs> super badass and shit. I just I, I don't really have anything profound to say. I just really wish I would have gotten to like just kind of react to it with yeah. you guys because like yeah. I don't know. It's it's like it is absolutely Susan's finest hour. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, so fucking good. And just like the rest of the book, it is that high high of her plan going off like it you know, like it should. You know, she is the big damn hero there. Uh, and then immediately she is disgusted with what she has done. You know, every yeah. every action is paired with, uh, you know, just an emotional come down. Right. Right. Which is which is very on brand for everything, really, in this series. Like the, the the only reason that Roland is as effective as he is, is that he doesn't have the emotional connection to like the world. Right. Like everybody else has this visceral emotional come down from what they've done and and you kind of see over time you see eddie and Susanna and even jake kind of lose that a little bit right um but this is Susanna's or not Susanna. this is susan's first time um it's 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 basically like susan's it, it's her first time yeah and and so she she still very much has that Yep, the things that we give away, the ways we compromise ourselves to accomplish what we need to, to save the people that we love. Big theme. Big theme in the series. Yeah. But she did that. Now going back, and now everybody is reunited. Even Shimi's there. Uh, yeah. And he's Hello, Shimi. Uh, Shimi's great. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't know if I've really been able to talk about Shimi too much. Like, I know he's kind of had, like, a minor part in... Uh... Yeah, he's popped up. He's popped up here and there. So the 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 thread that runs through the commentary on on Shimi in general is just kind of like, yep, that's Stephen King, including another developmentally disabled person, because that's kind of what he does. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty into Shimi's combination of guile and loyalty. Yeah, I Shimi, in my opinion, is like the he's the best example of this stephen king trope mm-hmm. like i i i really like um i really like a number of other stephen king works that have this same archetype like i think that Dreamcatcher is an amazing novel and i think that um if you've seen the movie it makes no fucking sense if you've read the book <laughs> um but like like the I, I, I like Duddits a lot, but I, I think that, that Shimi is is the most complete and most effective version of this archetype, even though I think that he does tend to kind of overuse it. Yes, as a as a whole. And even within this book. As like, a whole. Like, we're going to get into some... Somewhat within this, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, right. like even in this section, we're, we're going to get into some slapstick that is really out of, really out of place. Yeah. <laughs> but in, 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 I, I just feel like Shimi's a very sympathetic character. Yeah that like reminds me of like just like people that I've known. Like he, he seems like a very real, very believable yeah. person. 
which yeah. I think is why the character is so effective. Yeah, he just doesn't want to let people down. Yeah, so he's ready their horses. And Roland says, no, we're not going to ride away. We can't abandon our mission. We have to go in, and we have this quote. We have this boast that he gives. No more castles. The real gunslingers are here. Let's see if he can deal with them. He being Jonas. Like, this is this is where they stop dancing around each other, right? Because the first order of business is to go blow up this oil patch, which Cuthbert says smells like giant farts. <laughs> I need to take which, a moment here. Uh, he, he keeps trying to say it over the explosions. <laughs> yeah. Nobody could hear it. It's like, ah, never mind. That's, that is the moment for me when the Cuthbert-Eddie parallel, like, fucking crystallizes <laughs> it's like oh yep yep there it is here we are yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do it. just him trying to get this dumb joke out mm-hmm. <laughs> like at the expense just, like hey you, you guys are playing with hot like not high explosives but you could all basically get cooked i'm gonna distract your attention because i have to get this point in <laughs> god <laughs> it's it is it's great. I'm. It, it it seems like a throwaway line, but I'm really glad that you called it out in the notes because, like, I'm, I I'm always happy when I get to that part. Yeah. <laughs> because it's it's just so dumb, and so just like it's it's just like the the Cuthbert Eddie like everything kind of hits right there, and it's. It's the dumbest, worst way for him to do it, and I love it so much. <laughs> um, and it kind of like undercuts. Like this is, you know, this is the opening salvo, right? They they light this up. Everybody is going to hear it. In fact, Jonas hears it while he's fucking. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's also in the midst of like I I generally am just like way into the idea of Sitko itself. Um, you know, like yeah, I do too. In this, I, er, in the, I am too. I. Yeah, yeah. Me, me too. Let's yeah. go with me too. Yeah, you do into it. Yes, I do. Yes, <laughs> correct. Yeah, but it's like every time they go, there are like signs. There's like employee safety posters and stuff like that that are just completely inscrutable. Like I don't know. I just i i i like the i like the artifacts. I like the uh, little bits of our world that jab up above the surface. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much the only way that I could be more into the sit go is uh if it was actually an applebee's because i worked there for three years and anytime there's a joke where applebee's is the punchline <laughs> i immediately think it's hysterical oh, so wait a minute what would john farson want from the applebee's all the tater skins i mean there's a oh. lot of oil there uh, is a lot of oil true true i know i think that uh, i think that ha- it has to be very applebee's specific i think that john farson's war effort requires an awful lot of the jack daniels whiskey sauce that's TGI Fridays, motherfucker. Oh, god damn it. Uh, he yeah. Needs, he, okay, yeah, shit. Yeah, you're that, right. He needs that Mexi Ranch. Oh, he, he, no, he, he needs his Mexi Ranch to make that Fiesta Lime chicken. <laughs> what he needs, what he needs is tanker after tanker full of the perfect margarita. <laughs> oh, I have, I have made so many of those in my lifetime. <laughs> hey, Evan, what makes them perfect? nothing they are not they <laughs> are extra far sugar. from perfect yeah 
I can make you I can make you a legitimately perfect margarita, but it will not be the Applebee's recipe. Yeah, I, I've definitely had a perfect margarita, and I think that all of those all of those fast casuals like their their secret ingredient is sugar. Like I will make a margarita at home. There's no Which, there's no sugar in this. It's at least <laughs> at least at Applebee's it's it's sour mix. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Which like. There is a time and a place for sour mix. Like it's, it is not inherently a bad thing, mm-hmm. but the kind that you get at a casual dining restaurant is a bad thing. No, I, I, I'm incorrect when I say there's no sugar because there's definitely a lot of sugar in triple sec. But like outside of the three primary yeah. ingredients, like well, you know, te- I, I'm tequila, I'm, triple sec, and lime juice. Right, right, and that's I'm I, I'm, all, le- I'm leaning on those limes an awful lot. Yeah, well, that, that's all you need for a margarita is to, yeah. like good tequila, passable, like not even great, but passable triple sec. Oh, like, I mean, is there such a good thing as triple as good triple sec? Well, you can spend a whole bunch of money and get drambuie, but you know, if you do that all the time, fuck yourself. No, like, I'm gonna it get doesn't the, matter. <laughs> I've got a I've got a bottle bottle of Dekuypers that has been in my yeah. house for two no, years. No, Dekuypers Dekuypers <laughs> is the perfect triple sec for mixed drinks. It's yeah. exactly what you want. That's what everybody uses because it's fine. Yeah, that's like, a local Cincinnati t- company too. Oh, yeah, nice. They, they bottle it on the west side. I did not know that. As a, as an ethnic Ohioan, I support this brand. Yeah. Um, but no, if uh, if you want to make a perfect margarita, don't go to Applebee's and ask them for one because they'll give you some bullshit. <laughs> I know because I did that for like two years. Um, you need uh, two ounces of tequila, about uh, three quarter ounce of triple sec, mm-hmm. ounce of lime juice, salt the rim, shake it, strain it. Yeah, I never even get that precise. I'm like, boom, juice of half a lime. There you go. Well, that's that's rough proportions. Like if you. Or no, what I gave was specific proportions. Right. (laughs) If you really want to just just like fucking like tequila, triple sec, lime juice, salt, rim, ice, whatever, go. Yeah, I I definitely uh, I definitely eyeball it. Uh, yeah. It comes out okay. Yeah. A margarita (laughs) made the right way is a wonderful thing. If you've not had one like that. Mm -hmm. Um. Whatever your relationship with tequila, I understand that people have a mixed relationship with tequila. Right. right. Uh, my uh, my a, mom a misto my, relationship with tequila. My my my. <laughs> well played. Um, my 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 dear sweet darling mother took twenty one shots of tequila on her twenty first birthday Jesus and has not Christ. had tequila since. <laughs> I thought you were going to say she's still drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know your actually, mom. Actually, that would explain so much about me. Oh, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so though. Um, but but my 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 darling mother uh-huh. uh didn't drink tequila for almost three decades. I made her a margarita using the uh, the method uh described earlier. Right. She enjoyed it. Yeah, because a good margarita is sour. A good margarita doesn't taste like tequila. It's yeah. just an element. Yes, it is. It it is one part of many, and that's that's something that John Farson doesn't understand because he wants that sugary sour. John mix. Farson makes a goddamn garbage margarita. Yeah, good, Fuck you if you think otherwise. Yeah, good man, garbage margs. I have decided this is a confrontational <laughs> episode of Radio Free Midworld. <laughs> Fuck John Farson's margaritas. <laughs> They are bullshit. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so anyway, Evan, we have gone far afield. 
Have we though? I guess. We have. I we guess. have. We've gone so far. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What were we even talking about? We were talking about them blowing the uh, the, the oil uh, the oil fields at Sitco. Oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. It, it just like every time they fuck with this oil, it goes out of control. Like the fire travels from one pump to the other, and then the entire field goes up, basically alerting everybody in Hambury that something is going down. And as I said, Jonas hears a while fucking, you know, he's having sex with Coral, and he thinks, "Oh, this is a yeah. crazy orgasm." No, wait, it just there's an, an explosion in the distance. And then Clay comes and says, yeah, those shitheads from Inworld, those shitty little kids, they're out too. And Jonas is like, I don't care. We are getting the orb and it, we're, we are protecting the orb is, is is all that's on his mind. Jonas is like, I don't care right now. I'm literally having sex. Right, right. Yeah, no, no, no. That, does, that happens after. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's, he is he past the point of no return. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> <sighs> He is he is in the middle. He he, he is. Uh, I wish I knew more Latin. I was going to say something uh, in Latin that was like that mid, meant mid, in the middle of having an orgasm, but mid, I don't mid, mid coitus. actually know. That. Yeah. No, like mid coitus isn't like, really like, like, it. The, like, like the middle of the act. Um, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I have no. an English degree, but I never took a Latin class. Fuck my e, I guess. Yeah. Well, you you, you chose the winner. Um, <laughs> if you know the Latin phrase for in the middle of an orgasm, tweet it to at Brayton JC. Yeah. yeah. He'll uh, really appreciate he, it. He, he'll understand. He'll, 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 he'll know who to take it to. Please uh, include no context whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. If you include context, he will not enjoy it. <laughs> this is very important to me and to him. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes. And to, Cole, I assume. Uh, yeah, no, it's fine. I, 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 what I want to do is I want to bring a little bit of whimsy and a little bit of, uh, let's say, let's say just magic into Brayden's life. I mean, that's pretty much my entire life's goal. <laughs> like, I, I, I had a child to further that goal, <laughs> primarily. <laughs> to, to, to one day use it as an agent against Brayden? Oh, I already have. Okay. Brayton, Brayton knows Brayton knows aforementioned child. Yeah, they have <laughs> they have bonded. Just in case people don't know, we're talking about Brayton Cameron from the from Teenage yes, Dirtbags. Yes, yes, Brayton Cameron pitch. from uh, from the pitch, from Teenage Dirtbags, from Checking Out Comrade, from probably this podcast, from definitely a number of other Duckfeed podcasts. Yeah, if you don't yeah. know who I'm talking about, listen to more Duckfeed podcasts. Yeah, uh, and he, also he's a delightful man who needs more magic. He is. And also tweet literally anything that's on your mind right now to at Brayton JC. Yeah. He, he, um, he, he likes journaling for other people. Yes. Yes. He really, really does. <laughs> this is so mean. Um, I love you. I love you, Brayton. You are one of my best friends. I am so sorry for the evil that I am bringing down upon you right now. Oh, well. Speaking of evil being being brought down on people, like the yeah, gang, the gang has got <laughs> that was that was like a setup. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. See, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Evan. Okay, I try, I try and do these segues. I try and take us, you know, because I think tangents should be allowed. Tangents should be encouraged, right? They're they're fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> I try I listen very, to podcast too. Yeah, I, I find uh, you know I, I find the moment where I can make the bridge, and then boom, here's the segue. 
right? This isn't on you. This is on everybody who I who I podcast with. And I, I drop that like I'm gonna move on and then just let's let's pump the brakes. Let's just stop this <laughs> and point out what Cole just did. <laughs> so and then wait, wait, I, wait, 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 wait. Are are you you just explained your entire ammo for moving the podcast forward. Yeah. And then you said, let's stop this and look at Cole. Look at what Cole just did. Uh huh. In the third person. <laughs> so I, I can only assume that you are not moving the podcast forward. No, not right now. I just wanted to comment on the uh, on the phenomenon that people just witness because it happens all the time. <laughs> okay, great. I'm I am very on board for this. <laughs> yeah. So the gang has reintroduced themselves under their real names. I am not. Wait, what? What? Wait, what? What has? What, what did Cole just do right now? Because you you said let's look at what Cole just did right now, and then you started continuing the podcast. No. And no, no I, I I I think you misunderstand. The look at what Cole just did was me saying that people stop and point out the segues that I make, which kills the momentum. So the gang regathers and they, they get their weapons. Um, they introduce themselves by their real names from, uh, from, is it in world? Yeah. Yeah. From in world from Gilead. Yeah. 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 Um, and then they kind of go their own ways and Roland isn't ever going to see Susan again? No, no. Like the, the the way that the book puts it is <sighs> that the next time he sees her, she will be in the ball. Yeah, and that's that is less than ideal. <laughs> well, I mean, just it it, it it calls out the finality, just like you know, in I yeah, think like the, maybe the previous section, it you know the like the the book, you know, the narrator, whoever is. You know, relating this tale, be it Roland or this, you know, third person. Um. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, but just like as as a reader who has grown to care about both Roland and Susan, like that is suboptimal. Yeah, and it's just like it is this cascading chain of lasts because the previous time it was like, oh, and that was the last time they laid together. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's not. It is not a super optimistic situation. Yeah, this is where their uh, their their fates their fates separate. Right. Yeah. Because Rhea pulls Jonas aside, shows him the ball, which drags him in. He is now obsessed with it. But inside, he sees where Susan has gone to. She has gone to the red doored hut out in the bad grasses. And he's going to go off with his uh, his posse to get her. Right. Because, you know, that gives him leverage. That gives him power. And then Jonas proceeds to be a real fucking creep with this teenager. Little bit, yeah. Little bit. Sneaks up on her while she's sleeping, you know, gets the drop on her, and then just decides to feel her breast. As you no, not not as no, you do. No. As you don't as you as you specifically emphatically don't fucking do. Yeah, as as you shouldn't. Jonas is not yes. a good man. He has never been Correct. betrayed as a good man. This is not uh yes. really a betrayal. It is just uh, another another dimension, um, both to Jonas's just utter vileness and also yes. Susan's vulnerability from this point forward, yeah. um, which sucks. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, it's, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of this scene just cause it kind of seems like Stephen King once again, using like women's vulnerability to prove a point. 
or to advance a plot or to yeah sort of develop a character which is something that he does a lot more than i'd like yeah it's um but it's regrettable i mean it succeeds in making me uncomfortable um, yeah, like it 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 does what he wants it to do. It 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 is what it is, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know, <sighs> not my not my favorite rhetorical device yeah, that it, Stephen King is apparently a huge fan of. Yeah, it's 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 not my favorite instinct of his. But this is yeah, this is kind of the last of that that we're going to see. Aside from Jonas continuing continuing to call Susan Sunbeam, which is yeah. really insulting and kind of condescending, but. That's the least of her problems because, like, from this point yeah. forward, she's getting the shit beat out of her. Yeah, it gets very bad. It gets yeah. very bad immediately, pretty much for yeah. Susan. And then this, uh, this is a fraught comparison, but like her her path, her march to the Charyu tree has kind of elements of like Jesus's march to Gehenna. Like, oh yeah, I I feel like um if I I've only watched the the first season and a bit of game of thrones yeah but like like cersei's march through town seems to me to be kind of an homage and it seemed in the book too to be an homage to this scene of of susan's march to the charu tree which is very very clearly an homage to jesus's march yeah to the, like the to the cross, cross. yeah yeah like yeah. i mean just that this is a person who is you know who, who is dying in the service of something bigger you know, like, yeah. or you could even do like, oh, it's like a Joan of Arc kind of thing. Yeah. You know? And like, like, say, say what you will about Stephen King and about the books and the series and the way that he conveys all this stuff. But like, this is a very intense, very captivating. Uh, and I feel like if you've read it, a very iconic scene. Very much so. Um, yeah. Specifically because Susan doesn't at every turn when she gets a blow she returns she returns a quip or a single sentence that undoes the person yeah right? like later on uh what's her name coral thorin you know g- g- gives her a pack of fives you know pops her on the on, on, uh, pops her in the kisser um and then she says oh you're never going to see jonas again and then that haunts you know that that haunts coral for the rest of her life because it's true yeah you know which is i mean it it is it 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 is it is claiming a kind of victory in the yeah in in the frame of a of of a larger defeat and undoing yeah you know even it's great but it's also awful i mean you you hate to see it happen a to a character you've come to enjoy and if that's not enough for you to a person you know if you only care about roland to a person that roland cares about you know yeah like Susan's entire life from the from the get from her from her scene from her opening scene has been incredibly unfortunate. Remember all the way back on the coos where she was going to have her honesty proven. Like she's been through an awful lot. And to summon yeah. up the strength, like you know, this is this is jumping ahead, but like her final her final act is a prayer to you know get the strength to not show them that they're hurting her, to not yeah. give them the satisfaction. Which right? is which is. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that when we get to that. Right. So yeah, Jonas gets in there. Um, his plan is to have um Clay Clay Reynolds, the smarter of the uh, the big coffin hunters of the cronies, right? Uh, to take Susan back to Seafront, back to the mayor's mansion, 
Um, and then he decides to pry the ball away from Rhea, deciding that it is better in his control, you know, using his superior strength and numbers to get it away from her. And Rhea rides away, uh, cursing them as this goes on. Um, we get to a really disturbing scene of kind of a revelation that witches, or at least Rhea, recharges herself by drinking people's blood. Yeah, I, 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 I've always been kind of curious and maybe this is something that is answered within the larger Stephen King can and I just haven't read enough but like is this a universal thing or is this just like Rhea being Rhea I could see either yeah they're they're, they're, they're vampires like canonically there are obviously very clearly vampires and like blood very clearly and very has very distinct magical properties within uh, the Stephen King universe's multiverse. Yeah. Whatever we're calling it. Um, but like witches specifically, like I'm, I, I haven't read enough Stephen King. I, I haven't really read any other Stephen King with witches in it to know. Right. Um, I don't have a definitive answer. Like it is a very yeah. evocative image. So Cordelia's kind of unraveling. Um, yeah, you know, uh, as, yeah, it's, as everything it's goes. a bad scene. Yeah, it's it's, it's really disturbing. Like basically picture Cordelia's arc in this story, you know, at the at the start, um, <laughs> the, the, the track is at a volume of zero. And at the end, it's at max. And the track that I'm talking about is just that sound of like somebody plucking uh, like a like a violin, like a spider is coming by, like ding 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 ding, ding. like you know, like this person is going crazy music. Um, it's really upsetting to watch her and to see as she has kind of fallen into the state of being like a like a like a miniature version of Rhea herself, and to see the pact, to see the covenant sealed, you know, with Rhea coming in saying, "Hey, the old ways need to be restored. I need your power." To have Cordelia cut open her gut and have Rhea bend down to drink the blood in this kind of gesture or posture that is really reminiscent of, like, oral sex kind of thing. You know, like, that's the way that I'm kind of picturing this. Yeah, Uh, I do not think you're alone. Okay. Yeah, it is. I mean, (laughs) in a way, it is confirming that both of them are, you know, have, have, have made this pact and become become monsters themselves not that i'm saying that people who engage in oral sex with each other are monsters but everything mixing i mean together. i'm pretty sure that's exactly what you're saying right now yeah yeah i'm 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 definitely on record as being really <laughs> yeah no. yeah yeah cole cole ross is uh is very anti-fun <laughs> yeah it just um, as we know yeah it, it, oh no shit my all my all my cole ross domains expired <laughs> I, I have no, I have no online evidence that there are websites dedicated to uh, <laughs> to unraveling my conspiracy. Yeah, they're all gone because I didn't want to pay more money <laughs> for for a dumb joke. I think the jokes served their purpose. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> I still don't. I just man, that followed me into this year's talk. <laughs> what we're talking about is the is the meme from Duckstream that I'm a murderer from from Duckstream 2016. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember when it started. I just I like, don't either. I, I came like, in midstream, and and there was this whole joke because Cole was doing uh, some survival horror playthrough. As I do, um, as as he does very well, and uh, there was this joke in the Duckstream chat that Cole was an actual 
serial killer. And so I went on GoDaddy and registered a number of domain names that (laughs) suggested the same uh, and had them link to the the DuckFeed and HexCrank sites, respectively. Yeah. It was, and they it, have it was very they have funny. unfortunately all expired because it would have cost me significantly more money to renew them than it did to register them. Yeah, so yeah. I'm pretty much biding my time until Duck Dream 2018. <laughs> yeah, uh, just uh, just brainstorm because they've opened up so many new TLDs. Yeah, I'm very excited. There's yeah. gonna be Co- there's Co- gonna Co- be Co- some Ross like dot party. That's a good one. I I had why did Cole kill dot us. <laughs> I was particularly proud of that, and I got an uh, an email from the United States government asking me what the purpose of that URL registration was. Wait a minute, what? Because it's dot us. Oh, huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, why I didn't did realize Cole, they checked that. Why up. did Cole kill dot U.S. Yeah, I got an email from I want to say the FCC, <laughs> but it was some government entity who was like, hey, just wanted to check up. What's the purpose of this URL that you registered? And I was like, oh, it's an inside joke. Right. And they were like, oh, OK, great. And then they let that be OK. It's it's really important to me that I know what you said to them. Yeah. No, I, I very much said that it was a joke because I was definitely the one who registered it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you were definitely like I was the definitely name, implicated in one of the worst. The name you can do. Cole. I, it wasn't Cole Ross. It was just Cole. Right. So right. I was the only one whose information was actually implicated. Right, right. So I was very clear that it was a joke. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, um, there's a file. Oh, there's yeah. a file. There's definitely a file that involves me and the name Cole. Not, so you're probably fine. Not not, not, incre- not an incredibly common name, although my company did just hire another Cole who spells it the same way. Oh, yeah, right. well, just pin it all on him. Yep, there we go. I have a patsy. Easy. <laughs> done and done. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So nothing nothing good can come from a recharged witch, I think is what we're trying to say with this URL. <laughs> That's the chat. moral of that story. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know, just just, just, just cool it. But we're gonna cut away yeah. to a to, to, to a momentary victory, right? And this is one where that's yeah, pretty much all deserved, right? Like we're gonna oh, we're gonna absolutely end, yeah. end this chapter, at least, this chapter called Reaping on a high note because Roland and the others are waiting in this bad grass. Like it is described as like this savanna of grass that is like far taller than a person. Mm-hmm. You know, they describe like, oh, livestock will come out here and start eating eating it. And even like it has no nutrition. So they keep eating until they bloat up and die from it. Like it's this. Yeah. And it's, like, it's, the, it's the bad grass. Um, and they're watching as, you know, the grass is parting. The, like Jonas's men nearly ride over them as they're waiting in ambush. And what this starts is like a straight up Batman Arkham Asylum predator kill sequence as they ride up behind this entire kind of unit that is being led by by, 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 by Jonas um, and stealth killing each of them. Like just sidling up like, oh, yeah, the scratcher is bad, isn't it? Patong, Cuthbert, you know, yep. sh- <laughs> shooting one of them down with his uh, with his, uh, oh, gosh, slingshot. Yeah, and uh, it's great. 
I love this. It's so it much. is super viscerally satisfying. Yeah, just to just just to see them killing without being noticing. Like they got like a tenth of their numbers down before anybody noticed something was wrong. Something like that. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then when shit gets real, you know, we get this, you know, like kind of our first instance of gunslingers of old battling like gunslingers of old. You know, how gunslingers, you know, no prisoners, like just these three kids. Again, these three kids marching against an entire army, you know, and trying to break their ranks, right? Yeah. <laughs> um and and in doing this they 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 kill Langle. They kill Langle, they get his machine gun. That's going to come back later in a big bad way. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and you you know immediately. <laughs> yep. Like they, Oh, it's uh, it is it is very much Chekhov's machine gun. Oh, for sure. And they've been setting this up for chapters and chapters. Like Lengel loves this fucking thing. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, and fucking fucking Roy DePape. Oh, that guy. That yeah. terrible guy. That Yeah. Uh, no, I don't like Roy at all. He he is not somebody I'm sad to see go. Then no. again, I don't like any of the big Coffin Hunters as as yeah. people, you know. Yeah, no, like Jonas Jonas gets his too. He does because Jonas thinks he can save himself by threatening to smash the ball. Like, hey, this is what you really want. Um, <laughs> nope. Yeah, and, and, and you know, at this point, Jonas is trying to preserve the ball more than he's trying to preserve himself. Like, he's definitely fallen under its spell. Yeah. Then Roland with three shots. The first one, you know, turning. I, I think they describe describe it as uh, turning his hand into a spongy mass with some fingers sticking out of it. So yep. sh- shoots the ball out of his hand. Jonas grabs Roland on the shoulder. Roland wheels around and puts two bullets in Jonas's face and down he goes. And nothing yeah. of value was lost. Nope. Fuck you, you failed gunslinger. May your soul always be in the West. Yeah, it is. I don't know why I felt bad about saying that. Sorry, I took a pause to take a sip there because I felt like it would be it would be good. I don't know if I'm like comfortable even being vin- that vindictive to a fictional person. Um, I feel like if you're going to be that vindictive to a fictional person, Jonas is the fictional person to be that vindictive. True, toward. true. I think I'm just being I'm being too sensitive. Too sensitive. Like he is here. he is a right proper fuck. Mm-hmm. With him um, down, with this right proper fuck down. Uh, his yeah. men have right proper scattered. They have broken yes. the formation in a textbook example of how gunslingers are supposed to, uh, you know, engage in battle when the odds are against them. Yeah. And it's it's like we've we've kind of seen this described and then here's like the enactment of it. <laughs> and and you 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 kind of get the sense that, like, even though they're still gunslingers in training, just just how effective even the trainees are. Yeah. You know, even these. Um what, like even calling them saplings of gunslingers would be a little bit generous, right? Yeah, yeah. Imagining how how effective somebody twice their age with twice as much experience would be is actually pretty. Uh, like they're, they're basically superheroes, and we see that yeah. with Roland. He's yeah, and we, yeah, we. we it, I feel like this this very much helps you kind of understand just the level that Roland is operating at. Yeah. But yeah, Roland, you know, hey, victory won. The you know, the second of the victories are going to rack up here. He says, Hey, I've got my trophy here. Cuthbert says, Hey, Roland, don't look in that orb. But Roland, being a person, is entranced by the orb and looks in and is drawn into it. Yeah. Uh oh. Which 
you just if you have a mysterious <laughs> magical orb, just don't don't do the <laughs> obvious thing. I feel like that. I don't know. What I'm hearing I, you say is look into it as quick as you can. Is that the takeaway? No, I, I feel like don't look into it is the mm. real takeaway. Like, I feel like Cuthbert's actually pretty on the money there here. There's something in there for me to look at and see. Yeah, I, I know there's check. something in there. I know you just want to check. I mean, but I have a feeling that if you have, like, a scrying orb of some sort, it's totally going to want you to check. Yeah. And So I should do it, is you're, what you're saying. Well, only if you know that its intentions are good. Oh. If, if it's like from your aunt or something like, like that, but like the thing sure. is, I need, I need to look to see if the the intentions are good. Yeah, well, you make a good point. I guess just look. Yeah, just, I, just go for I, it. I'm, just I'm go. That. Yeah. Go big or go home. Yeah, in, in, um, in, in no way will this fundamentally alter my character and give me some yeah. new obsession to follow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. You should definitely like look into it as deeply as you can, like yeah. immediately. No, okay. Just open up that um, bag. Yeah, you should probably disrobe first just to be safe. Oh, of course, and let all the light in. Yeah, yeah, as as you do. Yeah. So this takes us to uh, uh, the final chapter of the section beneath the demon moon. To not foreboding at all. No, no, not at all. Well, <laughs> the previous chapter was called reaping. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, we're going someplace bad here, boys and girls. Yeah. Uh, so so beneath the demon moon, part two. Coral has taken Susan to the pantry at Seafront, um, and this is where Susan. You know, says, hey, you're never going to see Jonas again. Ha ha ha. Uh, which is the blow that lands far more harshly than any of any of Coral's. Rhea has used her zombie control over Cordelia uh, to walk into the Traveler's Rest, you know, under the glassy eyes of the romp uh, to convince everybody with a whisper what needs to happen with a whisper. Char you tree. Um, which but, I, I know I, I know I've mentioned this at least once or twice. Before. The chocolate tree. Yes. Uh, any anyone out there who's got kids that watch Dora the Explorer, uh, the the Chocolate Tree episode is bone chilling when listened to from the other room. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, um, I need to find that episode and record it from the other room and put it into something. It's horrifying. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. Char you tree. Yep. Um. And like everybody goes into this, like Rhea knows what buttons to press. Again, she is speaking through. She is speaking through Cordelia, but like, yes, you know, your mare is dead and all that, but this is going to sour the next harvest, you know, as if time times weren't bad enough, your crops are going to come up weird and your your threaded stock are going to go wrong. We need to set things right. We need to return to the old ways. Not that Rhea really believes in them. She just knows that this is the most effective way to kill somebody by proxy. Pretty much. Yeah. While this is happening, um, Sheeny is over there. Uh, this is that moment of slapstick where, you know, he's he's all angry and he's taking it out on his mule, Capricoso. Um, and then Capricoso decides, hey, you know what? Fuck you. And bite Shimi on the ass. He was bitten on the ass by his ass. Yeah. Which has always been. That's a little on the nose. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but. But Shimi, he, he goes out to seafront to look for Susan. Um. He he runs into uh, Olive Thorin and Maria. Yeah, the mayor of the, the, the yeah the mayor of the wife, the wife of the mayor, and uh, the mayor all, of the wife. Yes, and also Susan's personal maid at uh, yeah. at Seafront, right? Like, yeah. wh- why would Olive want to help Susan? Well, she recognizes the injustice. 
you know, in previous episodes, I've called Olive like a secret MVP or really solid. Like, yeah, she, she was a victim of this like Susan was. <laughs> like she knows that neither Susan nor those boys had it in them. She understands the depths of the conspiracy and knows that like Susan is in real danger and all of them are fucked if they don't go as far away as possible. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'll Olive really has been basically like m- more or less on the level the whole time. Yeah. Like, like she has been, like almost remarkably like reasonable. Yeah. Like the worst thing you can say about her is that she has been passive in the face of the suffering, but like she does her best now to make it good when she understands yeah. that and there e- even, is real danger. Right. Even, even the, the, even her being passive is reasonable. Right. Like given the circumstances. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not saying like, fuck Olive. For, for not yeah. doing anything because they're you know like we, we we saw what was going on we saw that she would have you know an accident could have been arranged you know yeah yeah um so yeah roland um roland looking into the ball we get like a flashback to that and there's there's a whole bunch of stuff that's definitely not foreshadowing and you definitely should not worry about going forward no so it's definitely a hundred percent fine it's so this is the second instance of this chronologically in the like you know in in the telling but it is the first of these in roland's life these revelations or these visions right this is incredibly reminiscent of when walter took roland out of his mind and showed him the scale of the universe and the tower in at the end of the gunslinger right yeah But what's happening is Roland's mind has been drawn out of his body, pulled into the orb, and, you know, it's a scrying orb. It is sending him basically along the path of the beam to show him his entire journey to the tower. And as this is happening here, he is hearing a, you know, a a voice that is describing in kind of vague terms the menace that is going to befall him, right? Um, You know, he sees visions of what, you know, things we have already seen in Roland's travels in the present day you know as he's dragged toward thunderclap dragged toward end world you know as he sees uh tall he sees john brown and zoltan you know the wild heart the wild haired man and the uh and his raven uh, he sees the wheel wheelchair um and then he sees a billy bumbler impaled on a tree that screams oi at him that's yeah that, don't that, that's from later don't worry about that. No, no. <laughs> just 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 give that good boy belly scratches, you know. Yeah, it's fine. It's definitely going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um and this voice that is talking to him is the voice of the turtle, and as he reaches thunderclap, everything goes dark. Uh, and then, you know, again, as like a specific callback or call forward to what'll happen with with Walter later on, you know, light, let there be light that brings this in and what he sees you know, in the darkness of Thunderclap, you know, beyond this sea of white faces, you know, all the people who have died and were basically preserved where they stood in the in the snow and ash, um, is the Dark Tower sick um, in this field of bloody roses. It's got, like, it's basically, t- like, tumorous, right? Yeah. And, you know, the voice tells him, you know, the voice of the turtle tells him, like, hey, you will kill everything and everyone that you love, and still the tower will be, will be pent shut against you. Like, and this is the revelation. This is the epiphany that Roland has within the orb of what the greater stakes are. Yeah. And it's, he, he 
obviously, as Roland is wont to do, uh, denies that and insists you know, that uh, it will not stand. When I come here in my body, it will not stand. I swear on my father's name, it will not stand. Right. Uh, but he doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't have any way to know. Right. He's he's just like Roland is a creature of pure will. And this is a very, very Roland moment. Very much so. So he and re- then <laughs> and it is followed by another very, very Roland moment. Yeah. <laughs> so he is screaming, no, it will not stand, having decided based on what this evil artifact is showing him that his life's quest will be to go to, to go and set the tower right. Um, you know, he's screaming this out loud. He, the only the only thing that breaks the spell is Alan taking you know taking his turn at punching some sense into Roland and yep. popping him straight into the mouth, knocking him out yep. cold. Yep. You know, very very much. Yep. Um, which <laughs> very, very which much, at yep. this point at this point in the series should be like just getting getting punched in the face to be brought back to his senses seems like a a. One of Roland, like an intrinsically Roland trait. Punches to the face to Roland are as coconuts to the head are to, are, are to Gilligan. It'll it'll yeah. recover his memory. It'll uh, it'll shunt him back from his like ultra cool alternate personality. You know. Yeah, it, it just it just kind of brings him back to reality. <laughs> brings him <laughs> may, maybe not down a peg, but just reminds him what peg he's on. Yeah, like just re- re- reasserts so- some kind of reality because Cuthbert and, and, and Elaine are, you know, arguing over what they should do. They they understand from their training that, you know, somebody who is in a trance like this, if they wake them up before it's time, it will separate their, you know, their mind from their body and they'll be lost forever. You know, like, but it just, it, it, it just like this injustice against the tower cannot stand. Um you know, Roland's state here being drawn into the ball, being drained by the ball, just as everybody else has before, um, is, you know, that cannot stand as well. And you make a very good point, Evan, about the fact that, like, you know, Roland can't know that this is true. He was he, he has shown this by this evil artifact. It is, you know, presented as the voice of the turtle, as one of these guardians of the beam. This character, this, you know, basically higher than a god figure in... In the multiverse, you know, like people who understand people who've read it know that the turtle is a really, really big deal. And the turtle is going to factor in much later on, too. But he has no way of knowing that this is true. And when he comes right. out, he is, you know, he, he is faced with skepticism, right? Like, you know, when he comes to later on, I'm going to skip over a point here. You know, he's aged like he has these strands of white in his hair, you know, again, just like it was in the gunslinger when he woke up aged after his visions there, um, you know, Cuthbert uh, observes that, oh, the lover was still there. The role that they that they came to know in Hambry was still there, but the ball had taken away his joy and left only grief. Like what the ball had done was replaced his obsession with Susan and himself with an obsession with the tower. You know, so going all yeah. the way back to the first episode of this season, talking about this book, like what we see is Roland building his own tower only to have it replaced with, you know, the actual one. Right. And yeah. this is where that swap happens. Yep. And th- this is, I, I think, when, when Eddie calls Roland a tower junkie, uh-huh. like this is the tipping point. This is his, this is his hit. Yeah. This is this is absolutely where he he 
of his own volition chose to give up everything else. Yeah, because he didn't just see he didn't just see the uh, you know the path to the tower, the you know the lands and the figures and the icons. Yeah, know, he, he saw he saw the other paths that he could take. Right. And <laughs> he he very distinctly very definitely chose the tower. Yeah. Well, and he, that he believes that is <laughs> good. Yeah, well just that that is that is to me like maybe the single most defining moment in Roland's entire character. And it's something that you absolutely have to keep in mind in order for uh, the next couple books to work really. Right. He, he believes that he's chosen his blood over everything, you know, like C- Cuthbert and Elaine, like when he, when he actually says, you know, what, like what his epiphany was, they, they don't believe him. They say like, Oh, the tower isn't real. That was just a fairy tale that was told to us. You know, Roland says, I choose the tower. I must, um, because that is the actual purpose of their father's katat and the, you know, hundreds of generations of gunslingers before them. That's what they're actually here to serve and preserve and protect. Right. Um, And that is (laughs) that is the crucial obsession. That is the absolute faith that Roland has where he can turn on a dime, you know, and go from. Susan is my everything and I need to protect her to understanding that she is bearing his child. He knows the ball has shown this to him, um, knowing that she is captured, believing her to be safe and saying she needs to live her life out without me because I have something else. He needs to abandon her to take up this new quest. The, the, yeah. the, 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 that is the switch that is flipped. And you're, you're right. It doesn't just explain what we have seen of Roland, you know, up to this point. It explains what we're going to see from this point forward up to the very last page is that this is this is the march that he will undertake, whether or not he has legs. Yeah. Yeah. Momentous is what I would is the word I would use to describe this. (sighs) Yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah. So while this minor point is happening, we have Shimi, Olive, and Maria using fireworks and matches to light Seafront on fire to get Susan out. Yay. This is not a foregone conclusion. Oh, <laughs> uh, they want to leave uh, Hambury. They want to they they want to get out. They pick a they they pick a road less traveled uh to you know the, the, to to get away. While this is happening, the boys say, "Hey, the big fish we got to fry. Well, we got to get this orb, you know, we have the orb, but we can't resist, you know, taking a piece away from Farson. Let's go after Latigo, one of Farson's generals at Hanging Rock, where these tankers are, right? Yeah. What do you think of the scene of Cuthbert conning his way into the ranks by trying to trying to hide his accent? I I love it. This is <laughs> like th- this is one of those scenes that makes me wish like as, as much as I love Eddie, I wish we got more Cuthbert. Mhm. Because it's the the it, this is not this both is and is not an Eddie Dean move. <laughs> just just picture Eddie Dean rolling up to a situation like trying to like talk his way into a, like a Southern Sheriff's office or whatever, trying to like take on a Hollywood like how do y'all have accent? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's kind of what he's doing. Like, there's a, there's a cool little detail here because like they describe this from the point of view of the person he's trying to con. They say like, oh, he has a really strong mid world accent. He's almost like a Nordling. It's like, wait, yeah. so 
So does everybody from Gilead sound like they sound like they've like they're Minnesota nice? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah, I'm not sure oh, how much man. I'm supposed to read into that. Oh man, that is that is a question. Yeah, we got to get the tower. Yeah. <laughs> God, now I'm just like, I'm just imagining the Dark Tower as <laughs> the Dark Fargo. Tower as Fargo. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. A hundred percent. That. <laughs> I gotta disagree with your gunsling in there, Rick. <laughs> so, God. so anyway, so good. Uh, that's why the movie didn't work they didn't make it enough like fargo oh i mean they 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 didn't make it enough they didn't (laughs) they didn't make it with the cast of fargo playing their characters uh, from fargo first off they didn't make it a good movie like fargo is and also i guess their first mistake was not making it a good movie their second mistake was was not casting william h macy as walter (laughs) holy shit that would actually be Great. I love it. That'd be very good. I never in a million years would have thought of that. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. William H. Macy as Stephen Deshane. Ooh, yeah, there we go. Ooh. Yeah, he goes, steal that scene. Huh. Uh, William H. Macy as Stephen and Steve Zahn as Roland. Oh, shit. That'd be a bad movie. <laughs> Steve Zahn, what's, what's he been up to recently? I don't know, but um, you know how when you're in a relationship with a person and you've got like your your list of people where it's like, oh, if the opportunity ever arises, uh, like I, I want like just free reign to go to town on this celebrity. Yeah, yeah, If Alice and Bree swings into my life, you're just going to have to understand. Yeah, I, and I will. I will, Cole. OK, um, but my my girlfriend's. The number one on her list is Steve Zahn. Huh. Which. Yeah. So I feel bad. I feel bad that he was kind of like, like left aside by the whole Sandler verse. Like as, as much as those movies are really bad. I feel like that might've actually been the, the best thing. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. She, she, uh, apparently is in the other room and just texted me. I am inaccurate. He is number two. He's he is number, number two okay. on her list. Number one, I believe, and I will get a, a message if I am mistaken, but I believe that number one is uh, Galen Polivka from The Hold Steady. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I, I could see that. No, okay, it's correct. A, it's a, it's, a, it's correct, important yes. that, we're, that we're accurate. Oh, yeah. Steve Zahn was in, like, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Like, he's set for life. Yeah, he's he's fine. Like, he'll yeah. be fine in terms of, like, money and stuff but yeah I, I actually feel like getting left behind by the sandler verse was probably a blessing because that went in some oh. very unfortunate places oh for sure for sure I, but i'm thinking about it in terms of like easy paychecks every year if he was just yeah like, and I, I i feel like like steve steve buscemi absolutely made the most of that and good on him oh for sure yeah huh man so so, so steve zahn is roland yeah um, i i pretty much just wanted to get my uh, William H. Macy is Steve Zahn's father theory. Oh, your fan theory out yeah. there yeah. into the world. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't actually think that would make a good movie. No. <laughs> so, so this bluff that Cuthbert makes. Uh, yes. You, 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 and let's get back to talking about 
a thing that is real <laughs> things and that are good. fucking applicable. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and remotely enjoyable. <laughs> no, it's fine. You know, I think there are a lot of people. I think there are some people out there who are like, oh, I think I there are a lot of people who think that William H. Macy is Steve Zahn's father, IRL. Okay. Yeah, there we go. I thought, but, but I think that, uh, you know, for, for me, there are people who are like, oh, yeah, Steve Zahn, he existed. You know, like, <laughs> Saving Silverman yeah. wasn't a great movie, uh, but I, I, I mean, definitely you, liked him in Happy hold Texas. Your, you hold your tongue. <laughs> I liked him in Happy Texas. That was that was that was fine. I did too. I did yeah. too. I I have a soft spot for Saving Silverman. Yeah. Man, I don't know why that movie bloomed so large in my life. Maybe because of like because I was a big Jack Black fan like back in the yeah. early 2000s like a lot of people were. I, I think I think that you and I were both like the literal target demographic for that movie. Maybe it's like oh, the, like Jack Black is going to shack up with Arlie Ermey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole <laughs> Whole bunch of references, like cultural references, that are just barely not dated too much that we can't get them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. They're just barely within the the sphere of our understanding. Well, I'm I'm unstuck in time, so. Well, th- this has been firmly established. <laughs> So so anyway, they con their way in, and this yeah, ends yeah. up you know, like like they're they're outnumbered. This could be a terrible thing, but Elaine Elaine has the machine gun. Yes. Um, and I don't like the comic very much. I don't like the uh, the adaptation of this book, The uh, the Gunslinger Born. However, that is an amazing panel of Elaine, like, just like, oh, man, I love this thing. Like, it's a very, it's like a fetishistic, fetishistic object for him. Um, and when he finally opens up, like, brrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr
<laughs> didn't realize that it talked, that it would draw them in. Um, yeah. And Roland is only able to like fire trance breaking shots above them, you know, at the very last minute. Like, I think Elaine's, uh, uh, like the, the tips of his shoes are sheared off by the thinny. Like, he is yeah. that close to walking into it. And that, that as a detail, just that it's like the, the tips of his shoes are sheared or are, are, are shorn off when he gets that close to it. Yeah. Makes the very next scene. <laughs> just like viscerally horrifying yep <laughs> because this what, this is where it gets bad yeah this is uh like 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 from this point forward there is no light to be found because like no. intellectually you can understand okay we're gonna draw them into eyeball canyon where this thinny is we're going to yeah. trap them in the canyon with the thinny by lighting stuff on fire behind them but the detail the detail of the thinny calling to them uh, somebody wrote in um, an email. I'm sorry, I forget your I forget your name, um, or maybe it was a Twitter. Regardless, uh, somebody made a very good point. The thinny is very much like the uh, the voices that Pennywise uses mm-hmm. um, to draw people in to his traps and stuff. Yeah, you know, offering um, offering their promises. Like it's really, yeah, like, you know, for 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 Roland here, like right before all this happened, you know, it, like it showed him uh, like a, like a vision of his mom and his father on vacation. Yeah, you know, like I was <laughs> I was actually going to bring that up uh so whoever whoever sent that in uh yes i definitely agree like the the voice of the thinny has always kind of seemed to me like i don't know if there's a connection with pennywise if it's somehow like because the idea with a thinny is that it it leads somewhere right so it is and it's not somewhere great no i mean like it's it's a sore either between worlds or into todash space so yeah in the best And, and so my 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 I, I've always kind of felt like, and maybe like different thinnies are like, there are different types, but like this one, I've always kind of assumed led to like a realm inhabited by a creature like Pennywise. Oh yeah. Like this one, you know, so Pennywise, you know, this, this is getting into like varsity level stuff. Pennywise is definitely a demon of the prim, um, mm-hmm. you know, who was, who was left here uh, by the, uh, you know, like when the prim receded, this, you know, monster from Todash space, you know, that exists solely in chaos, you know, stranded in the order that was imposed by the, by the dark tower, you know, left to feed on whatever he could feed, uh, you know, whatever he could feed on, you know, like Todash space and these thinnies lead into the prim itself. Like this might not be just one of these monsters. This could be any number of them, you yeah. know, the, like this could be all of them singing, you know, through this portal, through this soar, you know, drawing people in, you know, the, like the thing itself. Yeah is deleterious the thing itself will you know corrode and eat away you know will grab birds out of the sky but the people who you know are transported through they're not just killed immediately they're devoured by whatever's inside yeah like like they the, all... you know, like in the mist whatever was you know summoned forth by project arrowhead right yeah um yeah they they all float down there <laughs> yep so we are treated to this horrible and chaotic version of yeah. these events as not just the men but the horses panic you know, they're yeah. trapped and drawn forward and just like, you know, like Latigo is our point of view character in this, but Latigo is, you know, s- slowly seduced and, you know, it is not in the end violent. They're not, you know, in the end dragged. They all march zombie like to their own oblivion. I mean, I guess technically they won the battle like. They, they knew always, what they were going to do. Like, it's not like, like they well, got something I, I they didn't like they sign knew, up for. They knew what they were doing, but they didn't know what it entailed. 
Right. Like they didn't know what the thinny was exactly. They had an idea, oh, but I oh. don't think they had – I don't think they knew how – like what an active participant it was going to be. <laughs> Based on what we just saw, only Roland knew that it talked. Well, yeah, true. Um, so that went bad, but the good guys won. Yay. Great. Yeah. Great. So the people, um, who, the people who weren't put down by the slingshot were um, threaded into the Eyeball Canyon to be devoured by a different dimension. The people who ran away from the slingshot you know, they all, they got away. They scattered. They had enough of the wars. Um, yeah. But yeah, like Latigo and his men, they're all scattered. Yeah, yeah, we did it. The problem is solved. The big coffin hunters are down. Why don't we all ride back into town, explain the situation, um, have our feast, you know, like Reap is back on. Your mayor is dead, but Roland can be the mayor and he will rule justly with Susan at his side and they will. Oh, yeah. No. Everything's going to be great, except... Except the moon's bloody. Yeah, which is not great. No. That's never a good sign. And and Roland realizes the trick that was played on him by the malevolent orb. I just wanted to say the malevolent orb. Sorry. Um, (laughs) He realizes... I I understand. And and, here's, here's a quote from the book. Perhaps the wizard's glass had only shown him what stood worlds away in order to keep him from show... In order to keep from showing him what might befall so close to home. So it showed him stuff. It showed him truth, but it didn't show him the truth that would apply, you know, to what he could immediately do. It hid. Yeah, it, the fact. it didn't show him the complete truth. It, it didn't show him that Susan was being tied to the bonfire, that Susan would, you know, walk into the trap. And, yeah, and here, here's where we get to the part of the book that fucks me up real good. Yeah. Um, because I I never had um like I'm I don't have like a phobia of of fire or or anything like that, but like I, I never really had strong feelings about the idea of someone burning to death until I read this description of it in this book. Right. And that has fucked me up in a way that persists to this day. Um, so like, like, like Susan, Susan is tied to the unlit bonfire and she knows what's going to happen. And I think at this point she knows that there is nothing that can be done about it. Right. Right. Like they're, they're, they're painting her, her hands red. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> but like, even beyond like, she knows that even if help came, it would come too late. Right. And so she knows all that and mm-hmm. she's come to terms with it. And she starts praying to her father for protection because she just doesn't want her the, – the, the people that are doing this to her to see her in pain. She doesn't want to give them what they want. Yeah, and that's a straight-up Joan of Arc thing. Oh, absolutely, which is like I – you know, it's, it's not quite like ashy bird instead of ashes, butterflies arose from her, but it's, it's, it's pretty close given the setting. Yeah. Um, and so Roland, Roland is drawn into the ball and like the point of view of the scene is drawn into the ball as well. Right. Um, you know, it's not, it's not that he he sees this like, oh, this is what is, this is what is revealed to me. The truth that happened in the past. No, Roland is shown this when he is too far away to do anything about it as the, as the pyre is lit. Yeah. 
and people start throwing dried corn husks and at, at Susan. And there is just this like this visceral, like horrifying description of what it feels like to burn to death. Right. You know, and it's it is it's something that I I've never been able to shake. I, I read it for the first time when I was like maybe 15 and I've every time including this most recent time every subsequent time that i've read this book i kind of skim real fast past this part because mm-hmm. i just can't yeah so i won't torture you with the details but like burning to death not that great not an ideal scenario yeah um you know i don't care how the world ends in fire or ice uh personally for me if i end make it ice <laughs> well that sounds bad too though oh, you just go to sleep it's fine yeah, but that's Jack. You know, like, are are you saying yeah. that you're better than Jack from Titanic? Come on. I mean, you make a good point. <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking. Uh, all work and no play make Jack a dull boy. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is also like... Jack. <laughs> yep. Oh man, same person. Those Re- are like reincarnated. Those are ju- oh shit! Did yeah. we just? Did we just break the universe? We we certainly did because guess what? At the end of The Shining, you see that picture, New Year's Eve, nineteen oh eight or whatever shit. it is. Yep, that's where Jack was. That's where Jack. Yeah, was. He, he went. He suffered a cursed death on the Titanic, and he was back there, you know, to suffer oh, the same thing in the Overlook Hotel over and over again. And in real life, in in and this is this is a Radio Free Midworld exclusive, but you know, in real life, uh, Jack Nicholson is Leonardo DiCaprio's actual biological father. Right. Yep. So we have so, Will, so we have William H. Macy and mm-hmm. Steve Zahn. They are yep. cousins. You they know, are, like like second cousins. Yes. But you know, is that real? Related. Is that true? No. No, it's not. It is. It's definitely it, it, true. It, it, it is it is the one it is the one thing about the story that is untrue. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But Jack Nicholson, very definitely Leonardo DiCaprio's father. Yep. Uh which is why the Titanic sank. Yep. The, the, you know, it, it tried to stop him. It tried to stop Jack Torrance. You know? Yep. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> so, so, anyway. So, yeah. shit gets real bad. Everything is so unpleasant. This scene is just, like, horrifying to read. Yeah. It is It is bad for your eyes and your mind. And, and your mind's eye. You, um, and your mind's eye and your eye's mind and mm-hmm. everything else. And... So fucking read it because it's beautifully written, but I also hate it and don't really want to talk about it. Right. Um, so I'll, I'll get us out of this as quick as I can. You know, yeah. like, well, well, the Roland Roland basically draws his gun at the orb, right? Right. Right. Like he tries to shoot at it and he, yeah. and, and, and he misses. You yeah. Know, and be, it be, says, because the, what he, the, the, the ball, the ball says, nope, nope. Well, you know, like, like what he has seen is Susan's hair lighting on fire, turning into into a crown of flames as her final words are both bird and bear and hair and fish and Roland, I love thee. Like that's, you know, like she succeeded in her mission. She didn't, she didn't cry. She didn't scream out yeah. in pain. Like her, her last act was to entirely, you know, as she, as she and her unborn child left this world, you know, was to proclaim her love and to, yeah. you know, throw herself onto, you know, the faith, right? And so Roland fires and then grabs onto the ball, screaming, no, 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 incoherently, you know, yeah. until he basically goes catatonic entirely. 
Yeah, Roland Roland screams until he blacks out, and then his friends basically drag him east because they can't get the ball out of his hands. No, and he he is just like he he is gone. Yes. I mean, like, and that's that's what it says. Like, it's one of the last lines of this chapter. Like, the moon at yeah. the end of the cycle. And again, everything has been pinned to the passing of the moon, like, showing the passage of time. Like, the moon at the end of the cycle, Roland had gone. He was within the within the orb. Yeah. Yeah. And so, we're going to learn a little really, bit about what... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, just, just, you know, very, very light, upbeat, optimistic chapter... Of the Dark Tower saga, it's it's like a buddy cop kind of thing, you know. With it's like, exactly with, with... like a buddy cop kind of thing, where Roland is Martin Lawrence and everyone else is also Martin Lawrence. Yep, yep. Oops, all Lawrences. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's where the Dark Tower film went wrong was not casting Martin Lawrence in every role. Oh, um, doing doing like a doing like a the clumps kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like that is what America was clamoring for. Yeah. And just uh it, it really biffed it. It missed the uh missed the opportunity. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you know, <laughs> happy trails, everybody. Yep, yeah, there we go. <laughs> so there's gonna be a little bit of cleanup in the final chapter here in All God's Chillin' Got Shoes. Um, explaining a little bit of the mechanics of what happens in the ball and in the next season, when we talk about kind of the interstitial stuff along with Win Through the Keyhole, like the comics, at the very least, the uh, trade paperback entitled uh, The Long Road Home concerns itself mainly with what happens inside the ball. Yeah. And during the uh, during the uh, journey back to Gilead from Hambry. Um, but we're going to leave that for here right now. Yeah. Um, I want to give you an opportunity, Evan, to kind of give your final thoughts about this section but also about this book because you're not going to be on the next episode unless there's an emergency or whatever well Um, i mean the first thing i want to say about this section of the book is that i definitely meant to sign up for the next section and not this one oh geez um so (laughs) this is this is like this is legitimately like this is an incredible final act of a story but it's just so profoundly unpleasant and uh, Stephen King does profoundly unpleasant better than most. And I, um, yeah, it's, it's rough. Yeah. Um, and it, but, but at the same time, like, I'm, I am glad that we, we, we got to, to chat about this because I don't, I don't know if I realized until we were actually talking about it out loud, just how foundational this was to Roland's character right. going forward for the rest of the series. And, um, I mean, like we, we knew, we knew maybe not specifically how it was going to end, but we, we had a pretty good idea going into it. So, so this shouldn't have been a huge surprise, but, Mm -hmm. but Stephen King just kind of has a way with, uh, unpleasant verbs and adjectives. Yeah. Well, I mean, like Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a trite point, but like the, the conclusion isn't everything. No, even when the conclusion is foregone, the journey can still gut you. You know yeah. how this person dies, but the details of the way yeah. that it goes and, you know, for, <laughs> I, I feel shitty, like, talking about the loss of a woman's life in terms of, like, just how much it inconvenienced and hurt the other, like, hurt the man in her life. Like, I, yeah, I understand that's which... what I'm doing, but, like, you know, we we understand from the gunslinger 
exactly how much this set the tenor, you know, and that yeah. that line of like, oh, all of the joy had been replaced with grief. Like that is, you know, the more fundamental or elemental substitution that was made when yeah. the tower and, replaced Susan. Right. And 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 the the fact that Roland is able to care about Eddie and Jake and Susanna and Oi is kind of takes on a new level of profundity after you know this backstory. Right. Um, and it also very much informs, uh, the final act of the series, mm-hmm. um, which is for later. <laughs> yeah. I, I have, I have any number of points that I want to make, um, oh, about just kind of yes. like my, my, my nascent conclusions about just the, um, the, <laughs> the idea of building up and stripping away. But I don't want mm-hmm. to do that because it's going to give it's going to it's going to give away too much. And I know that the like the final three books of the series are maligned. Um, you know, yeah, s- s- some somewhat justly. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, justly maligned. Let's say, but I think there's a lot in those interpersonal relationships that are revealed uh, that is yeah. that 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 landed very hard for me. Um, D- despite all their flaws, I do love this whole series. I, I really do. I have my issues with it and I'm excited to talk about some of those, but I, I really do love the arc that this series takes and the, the, the places that it goes. Yeah. And, and I feel like as, as difficult to read as the wizard and glass flashback can be, um, the, the series would absolutely not be the same without it. Right. And this is, this is maybe like, I, I know that it's kind of a polarizing thing and I, I'm, I, I am of the opinion that I, I kind of wish that the flashback had been shorter, like maybe half the book instead of the bulk of the book. Right. But it's it uncovers so much about this mysterious character. It gives him a humanity and a past and a vulnerability that it's impossible to get from him in at the point where the story picks up. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's kind of my, my final thoughts on, on the flashback sequence. Yeah. I mean, for me, I feel, I feel like I made a lot of my points in line, but I want to revisit one particular notion and I don't want to like raise the dark tower over any other like genre fiction because, you know, I haven't read the majority of it and it's just not something I pursue. Um, But something that I think is really worthwhile when you're talking about, somebody as hyper competent as Roland, you know, and stakes that are as high as what the dark tower sets out, you know, the, the temptation would be to make things platonic and pure and costless, right? These mm-hmm. are powerful people fighting against powerful odds and prevailing. What I love and what I don't think was really set out as strongly as I could before this, what I love about the wizard and glass was the introduction of the idea that victory comes at a cost you give up something to get something right. Mm -hmm. Um, and And, yeah, (laughs) go ahead. And that's, that's very much a theme that exists within these books up to this point, but it's not really overt. Right. And, and going back and rereading the series, um, it having, having the context of, of this vignette, yeah, Th- that is definitely a recurring motif within the series that. Um, yeah, I, but, 
I, I agree with you, essentially, is what I'm getting at. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, uh, oh, I, I am happy you agree with me. No, that's... Yeah. So, we've seen what Roland has given up, and the entire series beyond this is going to show us, you know, what a debt that is left, right? What a What a hole that is left in his life, and kind of how it's become a vessel for this impossible and unfulfilling thing. Um... Yeah. So that's the end of this section. Like I said, there's going to yeah. be cleanup after this. Uh, thank you, Evan, for coming along yeah. to uh, to talk about this very upsetting and disturbing, this disturbing thing. Yeah. Uh, poor Susan. Poor Susan. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bad. It's fucked. Yeah, it's very fucked. Yeah. Um, but. On that note, Evan, where can people find you? Um, On the internet. Just in Just general. In general, you know. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Harder, all spelled out. Um, I'm on Facebook. You can just look on Facebook, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not I'm not especially active on the internet at this point. Um any anywhere in particular, but um yeah. Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, at very good serial reviews. I know I've been promising a return to that for a while and it hasn't happened. Um, who knows? Maybe this time it'll be real. Yeah. Just check it, follow it. Doesn't yeah. cost you anything. I did. I did just find out, uh, recently that there is a frosted flakes, lucky charms crossover serial release. What? That. Wait a minute. Are, are, uh, are, are, probably... are, are they frosted charms or are they frosted flakes? Um, I, I'm not positive. My understanding is that it's Frosted Flakes with Lucky Charms marshmallows. Huh. Which. That feels like it'd be a, like a like a textural problem because the thing about Lucky Charms is the bullshit grain parts are roughly the same size and proportion or volume. As yeah. The, and uh, see, I am I am uh, in the uh, overwhelming minority here. And this is the kind of hot take you can expect from very good serial reviews on Instagram. Um. I actually like the Lucky Charms cereal better than the, like, shitty, chalky Lucky Charms marshmallows. Well, the marshmallows are, yeah, they're garbage. You, you definitely yeah. described. They're, basic, they're basically conversation hearts from Valentine's times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. But the cereal, I, I kind of like and wish that I could get it without the garbage marshmallows. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oops, all cat food. Right. Yeah. Sure. Except, <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to yuck on your uh, on your yum. I think the no. Lucky I'm pretty Charms... sure that's exactly what you meant to do. <laughs> I'm I'm actually that is that is very literally exactly what you were just doing. Uh, but it's okay. It's yeah. fine. No, no. I just I, I, thanks, I thanks Cole. I, I, thanks for having me, Cole. <laughs> Super glad I could be is, here. This is the last appearance that I was going to make. No, I I personally just did like just... comment and subscribe, everybody. <laughs> I personally dislike Lucky Charms. Oh yeah, I do too. I do too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, I, I have one shitty sugary cereal that I eat. Like I, I, I've mostly moved on to like granola muesli or whatever it is. Like a, like a oh, yeah, goddamn I'm, adult. I am, I am a big granola fan. That's that's yeah, kind of my go to. Yeah, yeah, like a like 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 a protein mix, like a like like almond and cranberry or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, go. no, I, I have one, I have one shitty reward sugary cereal, and that is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because if you have Cinnamon Toast Crunch and you have vanilla ice cream and you put Cinnamon Toast Crunch on top of your vanilla ice cream, 
it's like fried ice cream. Oh shit! Except like from Mexico, not, like a Mexican restaurant. Yeah, except yeah. it is uh, probably like 480 calories instead of 550 calories. Mm, yeah, you know most most improvements happen on the margin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can find me uh, on Twitter at Cole Ross K O L E R O S S. On other DuckFeed.tv shows, we are a whole podcast network, and you can watch my mm-hmm. streams at uh, twitch.tv slash DuckFeedTV. I, yeah. I play a lot of horror stuff. Yeah, I would I would like to uh, put in a, a very specific plug for, for Cole's Hexcrank live uh, video streaming series platform. Yeah, it's like a series. Extravaganza? Like a, yeah, yeah. It's, Extravaganza. It's like, and, 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 uh, an ongoing concern. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that there we go. Um, it's it's really good. It's really fun. I've I've mentioned it a couple of times on here, but like, um, I'm I'm a big fan of of all the duck feed shows, but um, the the hex crank horror game streams. It's like if it's 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 like YouTube, but for grownups who <laughs> who are reasonable human beings, yeah, and 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 want more than just screaming and yeah yeah loud cusses yeah i i, I appreciate that um i do cuss i quite you know. well there are loud cusses <laughs> do not be deterred yeah. do not think that there are not oh yeah they, and, and there, there are some are. screams there are some yelps there are some yops uh yeah. but you know you know but that mean, is not you know i mean is. them you know i mean them is the yeah best. they are sincere they are not put on for the camera um there is no and... camera there is no camera it's all game exactly yeah um and if you want there to be a camera, just tweet at Brayton JC, uh, hashtag Cole Camera Fund. Yeah. <laughs> and Brayton Brayton will buy Cole a camera. I have so for... many. I have so many cameras, Evan. <laughs> yeah, but that's not the point. Cole. Okay. All right. Okay. The point is to get people to tweet at Brayton. To order Brayton yeah. to buy you another camera. <laughs> He's done so I'm much sorry. for me over Brayton, the years. Brayton, I don't want to ask I'm, him for anything. I know. I <laughs> don't don't do any of the things that I have requested no. that you do to Brayton. I I love Brayton. Tweet him nice things. Yeah. He's a good guy uh who who does a lot a lot more than I do for the network. So <laughs> He's a good man and thorough. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Oh, so that's where you can find me. That's where you can find Evan. Uh, please rate and review the show on iTunes. We really mm-hmm. appreciate when that happens. It's a you know, it's a good thing. I, I, I like when I see that. Um, otherwise, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. Um, you know, we are most of the way through the main series, but we have so much ahead of us. I am like reading through the stuff for the uh, for the next season, and it's so good. I have so much to say about it. Subscribe. Stick around. Tell your friends. It's all good stuff. Radio Midworld is a good place to be, and I'm happy you're here. And until next time, long days and pleasant nights. Praise the beam. Ha <laughs> ha.